We're broadcasting from our emergency hurricane bunker uh, two miles below uh, the uh, the surface of the Earth. Yes, that's true. Next to uh, Dick Cheney. So that would explain the uh, the loud banging coming from next door. <laughs> and the gunfire. Yes. <laughs> and the constant barrage of expletives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, we're, we're under the threat of uh, heavy-duty um, storms. Uh, hurricanes, nor'easters, Arctic Hurricane cold Sandy. weather, yeah. And so, this is like, all you have to worry about is volcanoes and earthquakes up there. Pretty much, yeah. The authorities, the weather authorities, are pretty serious about this thing. Yeah, I just found out the subways are being shut down at 7 o'clock tonight, which means that yeah. tomorrow I'm going to have to work from home. I I'm don't sure want to work from home. Great that they're trying to compensate for the Halloween snowstorm last year and making sure that everyone's expectations are in the proper place. But it still seems like it's going to be pretty intense. Mm. Of course, I feel really bad for my girlfriend who has to work in, uh, she's got like a a two-hour commute by subway. Mm. And so she's going to have to take a cab to work, and that's going to be pricey. Ooh, very. Because, yeah, what she does, she can't work from home. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. Yeah, it's kind of exciting, though. Yeah. Keeping things interesting. <laughs> as long as nobody's dying. Yeah, that kind of puts a damper on things. Mm. I, was telling, uh, I was telling a friend of mine on Twitter that we do actually have... The, the, it's not just an urban legend. There really are people who live in the New York City subways. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to see yeah. But yeah, it, honest and true, there are subway people in New York City. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping that both of my places of work lose power, but my house does not, so that I can play video games all week. That, that, that would be awesome. That would be yeah, ideal. Yeah, um, I, I don't have quite have that luxury. I'm going to have to <clears throat> work from home, which is... You uh, New Yorkers can't take a break every once in a while. Well, it's the nature. The nature of what I do means that I don't have an excuse if I have to, if I'm working from from working from home. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't have like I'm not like I don't necessarily have to be there, but I, you know, it's just I'm like having news articles and preparing newsletters and updating a blog, and I can do that from pretty much anywhere. But I like yeah. like, but my work computer is so much nicer than my laptop here. What's your work computer? It's a big old twenty-one and a half inch uh, iMac. Mmm, that's the stuff. It's, yeah. got so, it's got so much room for activities. <laughs> awesome. Do you guys capitalize the word is in a song title in your iTunes metadata? Are we going into the, are we doing this again? <laughs> I, just want, I just need to know. Uh, I don't think is is supposed to be capitalized. I could be wrong. I'm going to double check on that. But from my understanding, is is one of those words like the and mm-hmm. an that you don't capitalize. Yeah, I just needed to know for my for my shot notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say is is lowercase. Yeah. Although, seeing as you know, we almost we almost got into the uh, iTunes metadata uh, argument from hell. That is a pretty good setup for this week's theme, which is scary things. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> That was creepy. You're welcome. So yes, we we all got together. We picked some of the the scariest, creepiest, freaky, outest, said even a word, music uh, in our libraries to share with you. And mm. um, I don't know who wants to go first, but uh, yeah, there's uh, some wonderfully creepy stuff. Mm. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll take one. I'll take this one. That's cool. Sweet. Okay. Uh, my pick this week is the debut album by New York City synth punk 
proto-industrial weirdo punk uh, duo Suicide, and the album is titled Suicide, as is their second album. And uh, basically, Suicide is uh, one of those really early electronic bands. Uh, the the band consisted of uh, Martin Rev, who played the drum machine and the organ slash synthesizer, and uh, Alan Vega, who provided the really freaky vocals. And the first album is just really some of the stuff is kind of sweet, if dark sounding and creepy, but uh, there's two songs in particular that are just outright frightening. One is um, Rocket USA, which is my favorite song about impending nuclear disaster, uh, nuclear warfare disaster, and Frankie Teardrop, which is a 10-minute portrait of a man who loses his mind and kills his family. Happy Halloween, everyone. (laughs) So, uh, since Frankie Teardrop is 10 minutes long, I figured I'd go with Rocket USA. So here's a little bit of Rocket USA. Uh, this this is just a really intense record. Um, it, if it doesn't scare you, then I think it, it's you're either jaded or you're or you're listening to it wrong. How, how do you listen to a record wrong? <laughs> uh, you, you could try to uh, play. Well, if it's if it's a CD player, you could try playing it on a turntable. Ah. Mm. Yeah, you'll, you'll fuck up the needle, but <laughs> yeah, it's not going to sound very good. So uh, yeah, suicide. Um, Kind of a note of trivia, it's, Suicide is considered to be the first band to call themselves punk and use the term punk music uh, all the way back in 1972 when they did their first show. So there's your history lesson, and well, uh, I think I know. I think I'm almost certain I know where Matt stands on this record. So I'm going to turn to you, Andrew. How I like how, it. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was concerned when I I went to edit the. Uh... The I, speaking of iTunes metadata, I went to to add I, my crush on radio tag um, to the tracks for uh, my crush on radio smart playlist for you. And um, I saw that the genre was listed as electronic. And I was a little bit concerned because we know I don't tend to do so well with the electronic music. Um, but when I listened to it, I was uh, quite pleasantly surprised. And I think that my pleasant surprise was uh, due to the fact that it's kind of a a darker sort of electronic, you know, it's not like the eighties synth pop that I, that I tend to struggle with. It's more of a, it's kind of a darker, more minor tonality, um, creepy, you know, scary sort of electronic music, which I found to be quite refreshing, uh, and enjoyable. And I don't know if I was, if I was creeped out. I mean, I could probably, I think headphones and, and a dark room would probably serve this record quite well. Um, but overall I was, uh, I was quite pleased and, and, uh, I just found it enjoyable that it was a a darker sort of synthetic sound, which was which I found refreshing. Nice. And yes, what what did you think of Frankie Teardrop? Because yeah, that's that is the 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 song on the record. No, it's not the hook. Yeah, let me refresh my memory on that one because I only listened to that one once and I didn't get to it again this morning. It's the one with a lot of screaming and and it's it's oh right 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 <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yeah, when does the screaming come in? Not halfway yeah. through, really. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, hear for Frankie. The first part is this, this chugging along. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that was pretty scary. I'm skipping through here. I know we're all kind of in a rush to hear hear this record, but I want to know if anyone else listened to uh, the track twenty three the twenty three minutes over Brussels recording, which is on the second desk. I I, I didn't make it to that one. Like uh uh well basically I I guess uh what happened is like the the first side of the album, I really, really dug it. And the second side of the album, like I was still really digging it, but it basically made me want to curl up into a ball and cry. So I couldn't actually get to the bonus tracks yet. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to those either. That, 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 that's fair. So, well, 23 Minutes Over Brussels is uh, this live recording of the of Suicide in from 1978. 
opening for Elvis Costello in Brussels. And the audience is, shall we say, not pleased. Um, the, uh, this was originally a bootleg, and it's really cool to hear because, you know, the crowd's just like, oh, fuck you, Elvis, 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 as the tribe's struggling to play along. Someone steals the microphone. Promoter comes down, like, give the microphone back, or we're canceling the entire show. And when they try to do Frankie Teardrop, they, they can't even get, uh, the full, like, first or second verse in before the crowd's just so obnoxious that Alan Vega basically says, fuck you. This is, shut the fuck up. This is about Frankie. Throws down the mic and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And what, what, what was that? Why was, what was the cause of the crowd's? They didn't like, with it? they were there to see Elvis Costello and they did not like what Suicide oh. was doing. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there's no recording of the Elvis Costello portion of the performance, but according to legend, um, he was not happy about how the band was treated, and so came out, did a very short, very angry, fuck you kind of set, and left. No encore. Elvis Costello did that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is all the more reason to respect and love Elvis Costello. Indeed. Yeah, I downloaded, what was that record you guys recommended? Uh, this year's model? Yes. Um, I don't think I've listened to it yet, though. <laughs> no, but it's oh. in there. No rush, it's not going anywhere. True. <clears throat> but yeah, like Suicide is pretty awesome, which another another out of context uh thing that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that was kind of how it was for me. It was it was like like um like I really dug like because uh, I, I, I I Suicide's a band I'd always heard heard of, of course. Because I mean they are kind of in in my per, you know like it, it, they're they're very influential on a lot of bands that I dig, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I never actually really sat down with them. But like like Rocket USA, I really really loved. I love the sounds on it, and I love like the the rinky dink Farfisa organ that almost makes it sound like a parody of pop music on like Rocket USA. You know, it's like okay, you want a riff? Fuck you. Here's your riff. You know, <laughs> it's it's almost like a parody of the Doors on the yeah with that yeah. prominent organ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like Frankie Teardrop, oh my God, that is as terrifying as everyone says. It's like, I mean, like, I know like, uh, Nick Hornby has like said that it's, you know, so, I like, I think it's in his songbook, uh, book that, you know, it's like one that you listen to once. And I've heard that a lot of times and stuff. And I remember like before I'd ever, you know, like a, a long time ago, I remember like looking it up and like just reading the lyrics cause I was expecting, you know, and I remember going, well, geez, this, this is kind of bad. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's clearly about, you know, him killing his family, but you know, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, you don't get, you know, you don't get the whole, you know, it's not like gory descriptions or anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's kind of funny how people, including oh. myself at that time, always forget that, um, lyrics are only a fraction of the entire experience. So when I actually did sit down to listen to Frank Teardrop, it was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> and, yeah, it was like kind of, yeah, like, like I said, I, I, the, the first half of the album was like, oh, this is, this is great. This is, I'm really digging this. And the second album was like, I, I just want to go away now and like crawl up in the fetal position and rock back and forth a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, in general though, I, I really liked it. And I mean, it's, it's kind of funny that I mean, like, I, I do kind that, that, that basically that's not a anti recommendation of the album that I wanted to do that. I mean, it's like, not only is like, you know, kind of a testament to how powerful music is in, in general, but I, I, I tend to like the freaky stuff. So <laughs> that said, I'm not clamoring to listen to Frankie Teardrop again anytime soon, but the rest of it will be, you know. Definitely in, in high rotation. Mm-hmm. And oh, and by the way, the uh, thing about like, uh, the favorite songs about, uh, nuclear annihilation. Mm-hmm. I, I always like, uh, uh, Bad Gadgets, uh, Fireside Favorites, which, uh, is basically about like, it's basically a love song about the bombs dropping and the, their bodies falling apart. And it's actually, it's kind of funny because there's a lot of like things that you think are going to be like, double entendres but end up being literal like oh god uh let me look up the lyric real quick your legs are still together but it, won't, but be it won't be long <laughs> yes <laughs> yes thank you uh yeah it's just because it's you think yourself you know oh you know she's going to spread her legs so they can fuck and no they're 
that her legs are still together and that they are, you know, actually literally still put together, but they will fall apart pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite, my favorite fat gadget track is, uh, I think, Ricky's Hand, which is, uh, wonderful, uh, wonderfully dark, uh, pain against, uh, drunk driving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's got a drill in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I love, um, Fad Gadget a lot and Frank Trophy's solo stuff as well, which went in a completely opposite direction where it's like really kind of like folky, but it still works really well. So cool. Something to add to the list because I've only like checked out a few Fad Gadget songs, but yeah, yeah, I've got all like the Fad Gadget stuff is hard to find. So I don't actually have, I think I've only got like a real copy of the first Frank Tovey solo record. Mm-hmm. Snakes and Ladders, but um, yeah, I've got like downloads of pretty much all of it. Oh, and there's also a, a two CD, two, one or two DVD best of called uh, just uh, uh, Fad Gadget by Frank Tovey. And that is worth getting. It's on mute and it's got like a lot of classic tracks, rarities, the music videos, live stuff. It's really awesome. Sweet. But, but yeah, like a uh, fireside favorite kind of has that going on with the, you know, your legs are still together, but it won't be long. Your head was on my shoulder. Now I'm kissing a skull. Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, refer back a little bit to episode one, actually, there's a song by, uh, Cathal Coughlin's first band, Micro Disney, called Town to Town, which is also about nuclear war. And I'll uh, throw a link to that in the show notes, I guess, because it, it's, it's one of my favorite musical tricks where the song itself sounds really upbeat until you actually start paying attention. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let me see if I can find the lyrics to that just uh, really quick. Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd think that we were prepared. Yeah. Well, we didn't know we would be discussing apocalyptic songs. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I think my uh, my choice would be Chemical Bomb by the Aquabats. <clears throat> Yeah, that would be bad. I really need to get more in to really start checking out uh, yeah. efforts. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of crossover yeah, between fans. Oh, go on. Not to... I was just going to say there's, uh, I know nothing about them other than uh, the song Chemical Bomb. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, Alcobats are one of those bands that a lot of people who like the same music I like also like. Mm. But I've just never gotten, ch- gotten around to bothering with them, so, yeah. Yeah, they've never clicked with me, but I think I've gone to that before. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I can't really pass judgment until I've checked him out. Okay, here's, here's just oh, the yeah. first, here's just the first verse from town to town. Got a peaceful feeling. I found the reason for taking nothing seriously. It's the guessing game with those waves of flame and sick winter for a thousand years. Wonderfully upbeat, isn't it? <laughs> it's a toe tapper. <laughs> well, actually, it really is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, enough, enough talk of nuclear war. Um, shall we talk about, um, Oh, should we do, do you want to talk about Primus, or do we want to talk about the uh, the hamburger lady? <laughs> or the hamburger train, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I, yes, yes. <laughs> As, Andrew, you spoke You spoke up. Now it's you go. That's what you get. Yeah, okay. That's what I was going to say. Like, maybe Primus, just because I think I think we kind of have, like, the bookends of stuff that I want to cry. So. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. So um, my pick this week is our first, despite our... Our uh, multitudinous, lengthy Primus discussions on previous episodes. Um, my pick this week is Pork Soda, the 1993 release by the band Primus. And uh, we will play a portion of My Name is Mud for the folks now. I don't even know where to begin here. So, you know, with with a lot of my favorite bands, there are these different periods. And uh, since this was the the scary show, uh, I was I was weighing, you know, what Primus album to go with. And since this was the scary show, I decided to to go with Pork Soda because I would consider it the most uh, the darkest album 
in their uh, repertoire. You know, every Primus album kind of has its own distinct feel. Um, Frizzle, Fry, Frizzle Fry being very thrashy and Caesar Cheese being kind of angry and Tales from the Punchbowl being sort of psychedelic and the Brown album being very bombastic, both in its recording and its music and Antipop being kind of of metal, metalish. Uh, and Pork Soda is what I would consider to be the darkest record, especially lyrically. You have a lot of different um, themes here. You've got murder, uh, isolation, suicide, madness, um, you know, all kinds of, of different stuff. And uh, this is kind of the um, probably the peak uh, commercially uh, for Primus. Um, I think this is probably still their best selling album. I think I don't know, Matt, if you could confirm that or not. But um, yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My name is Mud being one of their most famous, if not their most famous song. Um, and it's just a very, I mean, the first three, four Primus records are all masterpieces, but this one in particular, despite being, I don't know how you would characterize it, but let's say that the first, you know, tracks one through seven, like Pork Chops, Little Diddy through Nature Boy are, is like one of the best runs, um, tra- track runs of songs, uh, on any record, let alone a Primus record. Um, all of those songs are just some of the best in their, in their repertoire. And then the second half of the album is kind of a little bit more interesting in a sense that it's better, but just a little bit, I don't know how you would describe it, uh, but it's got more like Wounded Knee is a all percussion song. And then Pork Soda is a short little upright. Um, you know, the air is getting slippery is another upright little ditty. And then you got Hamburger Train, which is just this eight minute dark horse instrumental beast. And then two sort of filler tracks with a poor child ditty uh, continued and then Hail Santa, which is just, uh, you know, a ringing of a sleigh bell or something like that. Um, so it's difficult to kind of kind of characterize the second half of the album as compared to the first. But I just thought this album was the, the creepiest and the darkest Primus album. And I know when I used to play this uh, record in my cubicle in my office job, my uh, my coworkers would get a little creeped out because it sounded like. Evil circus music, uh, I believe, was the the terminology that they used. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, a personal favorite. Right? So I don't know if it's my favorite Primus record, um, but it certainly could be on any given day. So there you go. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not a huge Primus fan, so um, you're on the yeah. wrong podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! This is my podcast. <laughs> I, I like that we have like the 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 bands that it's kind of split because I mean it's. You know, I mean, like, you know, you and I can talk about Devo till the cows come home and Andrew and I can talk about Primus till the cows come home. And yeah, I guess I guess you two need to have a band that like you guys can talk about that. I just don't really know very well or care about or whatever, you know. Yeah, we'll figure something out. It just gotten into Daft Punk, so I guess we could talk about that. But maybe oh, different, Daft different Punk, episodes. Though, so. OK, Damn it, man. <laughs> you're not helping. <laughs> Either way, they'll have to wait until a different episode because Daft Punk isn't terribly scary. True. Well, there is that one video. Yeah, prime time of your life. Yeah. Skeletons. Also, um, I train of thought here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm not a huge Primus mm-hmm. fan, but um, I mean, I do like Sealing the Seas of Cheese, which until I got a hold of Pork Soda was the only album I had by them. And I do like their Residence covers because you know, if there's they ever, do- a- I'm sorry, they do a Mean Residence cover. Yeah. I mean, if there's ever a band that was really influenced by the Resonance, it's it's Primus. I don't know if any other bands that really take what the Resonance have done and sort of use that as a as a base. So yeah, they've done uh, Hello Skinny and what else? They've done like three. Constantinople. Constantinople and Sinister Exaggerator. Is that a yes? Yes. 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 Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think most of them are from Duckstab. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is the entry point for. Really, if you want to become a Resonance fan, you got to start with that one. Or the commercial album, but... I, I recommend the commercial album as a starting point, because it's all one-minute songs, and so if you don't like it, just wait 30 seconds and you'll have something else. But Duckstab is also a really good starting place. Mm. Rat hole. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I actually got a download of Pork Soda after the last time we discussed the album, though I never got around, never really listened to it. I like I put it on one day, it's just like, wow, this is... This sounds... I mean, it sounds like Primus, but it doesn't sound as fun as Seas of Cheese. Yeah. So, and I wasn't really in the mood for it that day. Mm-hmm. So I just, it sat there until I got around to listening to it for uh, this week's episode. And 
Yeah, I can see what you mean. I don't know if this is a... I haven't checked out the rest of their discography, so I'll have to refer to you two for that. But uh, if you think this is the darkest they get, then this is pretty dark. I, I like it. It's not, the, it's not an album I'll put on every day, but it's it, I like it. Mm. And the, the dark Greek B carnival music uh, analogy does sound appropriate. Yeah. And Lord knows I have enough of that st- sort of thing in here in my collection. Um, I think, like, you know, say the first Dresden Dolls album would fall under that category. Um, back me up on this one, Matt, if you think. A <laughs> uh, lot of later Tom Waits. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, like Bone Machine or uh... <laughs> yeah. T- Tom Waits is another artist I really need to get more into. I've only got like a couple albums with his. Yeah, oh, wow. me too. Wow, I thought you guys would be like all over Tom Waits. I've got a this couple records. I like them. I like. Them, I respect them. I just you know, there's only so many hours in the day, as it were. That's yeah. my excuse. <laughs> but but uh, uh, speaking of the of the darkness of of pork soda, I think that Primus is kind of known for their kind of wacky sort of. Any, it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it is kind of humorous. Um, and this record seemed to be, as I'm looking at the track list right now, it does seem to be um, devoid of, of some of the humor found on some of their other uh, tracks. I mean, the air is getting slippery. You could say is kind of humorous, um, but yeah, the rest of it is quite quite dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking at the Wikipedia article for My Name Is Mud, and it's about a guy who killed his friend after an argument. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to derive a lot of humor out of that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. How would you apply hum- the concept of humor to Primus, Matt? Because I don't like they're known for sort of being kind of this humorous oddball sort of thing. But maybe it's more like funny in terms of weird. Because I'm looking, I'm scrolling through my immense two days worth of Primus songs, and there's not really anything that's like laugh out loud funny. It's just maybe it's more eccentric sort of funny. Yeah, I, I think that there's more of like a uh, kind of wordplay kind of things. And mm. I, I think it's just sort of the like, I think that there is kind of a juxtaposition of kind of somewhat, somewhat mundane topics, too. Because I mean, like, I mean, like you have like, I mean, like, you know, the the Fisherman trilogy, you know, mm. you know, John the Fisherman and Fish On. And, uh, and I mean, it's like you don't normally get songs about fishing because honestly, fishing is kind of boring you know it's right. like you know it's sitting around on a boat waiting for a fish to bite you know and once you with a fish bites you do have the excitement of reeling it in and whatnot but i mean there's a lot of dead time between that but i mean there's stuff like things like at the end of uh herald on the rocks uh yeah. there's like you know the uh you know and uh slow, and slowly but surely my uh mm-hmm. and in the end slowly but surely my friends succumb to the ways of herald and in so doing, each gave just a little bit of their souls away. And what a couple of dumb shits. And yeah. then on this album, just, you've got DMV. Yeah. Call it pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, when I was big around Beaver, I mean, you could call that funny, I suppose. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that, one, that one's probably like the most jokey. Mm-hmm. Like maybe shake hands with beef, but that's more of the title, you know? Mm-hmm. Than the actual song itself, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I I guess kind of like I it, it's it's weird. I mean, like I I there is definitely humor in Primus, or at least at least on uh, albums that aren't Pork Soda. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, it's it's they're not jokey, and they're not even really that punny, even or or you know, I mean, it's like. Like their cleverness is more in the music than in the lyrics, and I mean, and I, I think there is a lot of mundanity that I, and I, I and I don't mean this as a slam because I really like it, but I mean it in in Les's lyrics. I mean, especially on like you know Frizzle Fry, where you know, I mean, you have you know the uh, Groundhog Day, which is basically unemployed guy waking up and right. wanting wanting to eat apple pie for breakfast but has to go with the checks, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, there, you it's know. A, I'm seeing sort of a tie-in to some of Zappa's work, too, with this. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Zappa had a lot of songs that were funny, but he didn't have a lot of outright comedy songs, I'd say. Definitely had more straight comedy songs than Primus does, I think. Yeah, well, also he had more straight songs than Primus just because, like, He's he'd, Zappa. He'd wake, yeah, he'd wake up in the morning and record three albums. <laughs> <laughs> then eat lunch and record another two. <laughs> well, actually, you're, you're wrong about that one because Zappa never woke up in the morning. He always, he kept, like, if I remember correctly, he kept a nocturnal schedule. So he'd, like, wake up at the crack of noon, record three albums, 
yeah. eat, eat lunch, drink, drink two pots of coffee, record three more albums, and then go to bed as when the sun was coming up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I thought I thought in the the real Zap, uh, Frank Zappa book it was like that he was on like kind of like a twenty five or twenty six hour a day schedule. So sometimes like he actually would get in sync with the rest of the family, and it was like always weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might be right on that, but still, but the, yeah, the picture yeah. of him waking up at the crack of noon and like, so I remember it one bit in the Zappa book where he's talking about like the only thing he has got left to eat in the house, right? For he makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on a hot dog roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with and of course he drinks, you know, a pot of coffee with him because he's Frank Zappa. Yes. Um. Yeah. So yeah, we know where where West I think stands on the uh, time of Zappa. Ask question, does humor belong in music? Yes. Yeah. Did you guys have a chance to listen to that dumb all over cover that I threw in the Dropbox? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's like, I, I think, I think I might have done that like as soon as you did it, as soon as like we like hit off on the record, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to some Primus now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty tasty. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> See, once again, I, I, Primus is definitely going to become one of those bands I just need to get a little more into. I don't know if I'm going to become as hardcore of a fan as you guys in the end, but... Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like, one of my friends uh, would always say about uh, Primus that it's, like, sort of, like, you know, if you're... They're, they're like, perfect for if you're in the mood to listen to Duck Stab, but don't actually... Do you want to actually hear, like, new Duck Stab? <laughs> <laughs> that, that works. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, you, you want to hear new songs that are, are from Duck Stab, then you put on Primus. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because I actually uh-huh. haven't listened to Duckstab since I wrote that review for Katie Sneezes. So, mm. yeah, I mean, Primus is one of my favorite bands of all time, and uh, you know, when I was first getting into them, I think I, I think I heard about, I found out about Les Claypool through a performance that he did with Government Mule, and so I went to check him out, and I think I had. I had listened to My Name Mud off of Kazaa or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what is, this is weird. Uh, but then I ended up getting the Hallucinogenetics DVD. And I remember putting it on and I was uh, you know, upstairs in, in the den of my parents' house. And I put it on uh, and happened to have the lights off. And I just decided that I was going to sit down and, and watch this, um, this Primus DVD for the first time, not really knowing anything about Primus. And it was just one of those memorable moments in, in your, uh, in your listening sort of career where you're like totally blown away as to what you're experiencing. And I couldn't, I don't think I made it through. I definitely didn't make it through the whole thing on the first sitting. I would, you know, watch the first couple songs and then I, I loved those first couple songs. So I like watched them over and over again. And then I would, I would resist starting the DVD over, um, you know, a little bit longer so that I would, okay, and I'll listen to the first three songs, and then I'll watch the first four songs, and then the whole first set. And it, it took me a while to, to get through the entire show, because it's, you know, two and a half, two and a half hours, uh, the first set, and then the second set being Frizzle Fry in its entirety. And I had to ask myself, there was a moment when, you know, I started to look up Primus on, on the internet and look at their music videos and stuff, and I had to ask myself, is this, am I really, is this a band that I'm, really into because like it kind of creeped me out in in uh, a few ways like watching the like the old jerry was a race car driver video and um what else the too many puppies video which are just kind of you know not creepy but like they're it's weird and uh mr crinkle too yeah mr crinkle and everything and i was like is this really a band that i i am into um it's kind of hard to explain but like is this a band that andrew marvin you know being a huge dave matthews band fan is going to to really enjoy but i uh Obviously, I, I got through that sort of that identity crisis and uh, Primus has become, you know, a large part of my musical identity since then. So it does take uh, it is especially, you know, given the breadth of their career up to this point, it does take some some effort because they are not the most accessible band on the planet. But, uh, you yeah, know, one of my favorites, of course, and anything less playful does, really. We haven't even really discussed his solo career. Mm hmm. Um, I'm not the one, if you're going to discuss a solo career, I'm going to just get this out of the way first. I saw Les Claypool perform solo a couple years back and left after two songs because I don't know what the deal was, but it was just not pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) What wasn't pleasant about it? I just was not, I was, I I think I was just expecting something that sounded more like Primus and uh, it's just, 
whatever he was doing that night was uh, not what I wanted to hear. Interesting. Do you know what the date of that show was, or what year? Uh, let's say it was eight or nine. It was one when when John was open. Remember when we had John Pfeffer on? He uh, that was the show that, oh, he, that yes. he opened for. So, uh, what was the venue? House of Blues in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Uh, not 2008. I'm looking at toasterland.com, mm-hmm. which is a tremendous Les Claypool resource. Atlantic City House of Blues, 7-17-2009. Yeah, that, must, that was probably it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks like a pretty good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, it yeah, sounds I don't know like what you're the... wrong, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Lust Stings is an interesting... Uh, this was in 2009, so that was kind of when the... He was a quartet at that point, and this was right after the or around the release of, of Fungi and Foe, which is arguably one of his least accessible solo records. I'll put the set list right there for you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, this, that, this is the opening band on here? Uh, no. Um, July 17th, 2009, House of Blues, Les Claypool, Mike Dillon, Fam Bass, Bass, Bass. Yeah, because I know he had, he had someone doing, uh, it was someone some, on a string instrument. Yeah, that was an interesting, an interesting lineup uh, for the the fancy band or the fungi band as it was termed or called by the fans. Um, yeah, uh, fungi info. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that record map, but it's, um, it's definitely more sort of abstract or ambient in comparison to some of his other songs or other records rather. Um, yeah, for me, I actually, I don't have a lot of the, uh, solo less albums. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like, I got like, uh, I think like the first, uh, couple of, uh, uh, Flying Frog Brigade records and kind of going like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. I think, I think for me, they were a little too jammy. They I'm, definitely are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's always something to, that, you know, is kind of goes in with Primus is, I mean, they kind of ride that, that line between like jam band and not jam band. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of depends on to which, which side they fall on. And it seems like I, I like them a lot more when they fall on the non-jam band side than the jam band side. But even some of the jams are actually, you know, pretty cool too. It's not like I'm like, you know, only three minute pop songs, Primus, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. When Primus disbanded in 2000, Les went on pretty much a decade long, uh, solo career wherein he played with uh, a ton of different musicians and had a ton of different bands. Um, you know, he did Oysterhead with Stuart Copeland and Trey Anastasio. He did, uh, the Frog Brigade, which was his own sort of solo band where he was kind of the, the ringleader, really. Um, whereas I think he views Primus as more of three equal components. Um, with the solo acts, it was much more of him being the sort of ringleader and kind of writing parts for other musicians and being the sort of Zappa-esque role. Um, and he was really embraced by the jam band and the festival sort of scene, uh, which he found very refreshing because when Primus disbanded, they had, you know, kind of descended into this new metal Limp Bizkit. They were going on tour with Limp Bizkit and um, I don't even know what other bands, the No Values Tour or whatever the hell it was. And they were kind of like... You know, they had a little, they had to step back and were like, what's going on here? And, um, when well, if, I found my, line, if I found myself touring with Fred Durst, I'd have to go and take a serious look at what I was doing wrong too. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, when Les went to the, uh, moved into the sort of jam band scene, he found it very refreshing because of the sort of the change in dynamic and people being a lot more accepting and much more willing to listen to who mus- musicians play their instruments as opposed to, you know, promote you know, fashion or clothes or, you know, whatever commercial BS, um, was going on. So, and that when Primus reformed, you know, in 2003 and 2004 for their, for those reunion tours and then even in 2006 and, and 2008 for the one-offs that they did, that jam band influence, um, was heavily brought into the Primus fold in the sense of having these more extended segments of songs, um, and I don't like noodling, you know, and kind of aimless jam band like Widespread Panic or Fish sort of jam jams either. But Primus for me has always done it in a very um, strong way, you know, being that they are such strong musicians and, you know, just watching them, watching these three musicians play, play their instruments has always been uh, enjoyable for me. Um, but I'm interested that that um, you guys have found Les's solo career different 
sounding from the Primus oeuvre because it is, but at the same time, I mean, Primus is, you know, two quarters less Claypool because he's the bass and the vocals and a lot of the songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the solo career is a little bit more, I guess you could say whimsical and, and, and jammy and, um, you know, a little bit lighthearted, like you look at Purple Onion and stuff and it's much more colorful and a little less dark and maybe even a little less heavy, but it is still Claypool, um, to its essence. So, but anyway. Yeah, it's like one yeah. where, like, I, I think for me, like, with the, the less solo stuff, and I, and I'm not including, uh, uh, highball or, uh, sausage in this. I'm just talking about, like, the, you know, the post Primus breakup, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always go, like, I should pick up those albums, and then I never do. You know, it's like, I, I go, like, I should probably get this. Oh, there's a new record by Bloody Blah, you know? Yeah. Well, when there's, um, that's kind of the nice thing is that when you do run out of, like, if you ever feel like you've exhausted your, your listens of Primus, there is a lot more to, to delve into in the Claypool universe. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, we may want to move on to the last, uh, last album, by the way. <laughs> Cause I'm sure we've got a lot to say about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I picked, um, DOA, the third, uh, third and final report. Of Throbbing Gristle by Throbbing Gristle, oddly enough. Um, and basically the track that I picked is one of the ones that just like gives me so many chills that I even talked about it on that one episode that was just me and Rich that I don't think anyone listened to, probably because it was just me and Rich and going on and on and on. But, um, the, uh, song is Hamburger Lady and let's hear a little bit of that right now if we must. This is like kind of, I guess, kind of, this is the kind of the flip side of, uh, Frankie Teardrop, where, uh, if you just read the lyrics of Frankie, you kind of go like, okay, this is bad, but whatever, you know, until you actually like hear the thing with Hamburger Lady. And I'm going to actually just throw the, the raw lyrics in the, uh, uh, the show notes for y'all. Oops. Um, you even, you, you definitely get that sense of dread just from the lyrics. And I'll throw that in the robot too. Um, it's, it's creepy as fuck. <laughs> um, basically it's, um, they got a letter from a, uh, male art, uh, guy named, uh, Blaster Al Ackerman. And he wrote this, them this story about, uh, a woman in a hospital in Portland, Oregon, I believe it was, uh, where basically she had been burned half to death and basically looks like a, uh, 250 pound of meatloaf that's been burned and propped up on a potty chair. Mm. And, uh, I, I read the complete story on that one episode that, uh, so I won't, I won't read it again. If you want to do it, you know, if you want to read the, the full story, go, go there. But, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty creepy. And I mean, honestly, like I'm not a huge, 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 uh, throbbing gristle person. Like, uh, for, for me, they're, they're kind of a, a band that I respect more than I, I often go to. Like, for example, like, I mean, I love Coil, which is, um, a band by, uh, uh, Sleazy out of Throbbing Gristle that kind of, you know, when, when, uh, TG broke up, like, they kind of, you know, they, the band members went their own ways and, like, Sleazy and, uh, Genesis went to Psychic TV. Uh, Chris and Cozy went to Chris and Cozy. <laughs> And then also Sleazy went, like, kind of was in and out of, uh, Psychic TV, and, but did Coil as his, as his main project, aside from doing lots of music videos, including one for Hanson, which is kind of funny. So you have, you know, one of the guys in Throbbing Gristle shooting a, a music video for Hanson, one of the most, you know, bubblegummy groups out there, but, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's one where, like, I, I do listen to these albums somewhat, but I, I'm like, I'm more, uh, more likely to go to Coil than I am to Throbbing Gristle, say, but, but for sheer creepiness and, yeah, nature, you, you know, I mean, Throbbing Gristle is kind of it. Although Coil, 
Coil was a bit more poppy, I think, which for, for, uh, varying values of poppy, I guess. But, um, they also did a, um, they, they had their, uh, fair share of creepy ass shit considering that they had done a, uh, soundtrack for, I think it was Hellraiser that was actually rejected because it was too terrifying. So, so there you go. Um, but anyway, um, to be honest, I don't know if you guys are, are gonna like, uh, Throbbing Gristle. I mean, they are, uh, I mean, they were sort of like, along with Suicide, I guess, too, as like, I mean, they were, you know, sort of proto-industrial, and they were actually the people who founded the term industrial music off of their label, Industrial Records. Um, so, yeah, I, th- this one is just kind of throwing something against the wall. This one is like, I, I probably wouldn't have chosen it if it weren't for the topic being scary songs, but, God damned if it ain't scary. So, uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Drop and Griffin's actually been on my list of bands to check out. So, I'm glad I finally got a chance to do it. Now um, you can cross that off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just real quick, I, I, I've always been told the album to start with them, by the way, is, uh, 20 Jazz Funk jazz Greats. greats. Yeah, that, that, if, if I were doing, like, uh, TG as a non-scary song, uh, pick, that's the album I would have gone with. Okay. Um, I mean, that, which isn't to say that it's not creepy and throbbing gristly, but it doesn't have Hamburger Lady on it, so. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely something to add. To, I'll make sure that's that, that's still on the list then. Okay. Um, yeah. So obviously this didn't turn me off to it. Um, but yeah, oh boy, that is a creepy, creepy song. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, this is, yeah, this is really, this is, yeah, if Suicide was proto-industrial, this is, this is industrial, um, in the sense that it's, industrial is another gen- genre, name, genre that's wonderfully nebulous in its scope, like post-punk. Um, so, um, because, you know, that same label can be used to describe Einstein and New Bouton and their hardware-based stuff. When I say hardware, I mean, like, power tools. Uh, it can describe Nine Inch Nails and all their buzzsaw guitar and synths and drum machines, and it can describe this. And, yeah, it's, this is definitely not everyday music for me, but it's something I've done. I am still compelled to uh, give it to listen to more of their stuff. Um, so maybe not the gentlest introduction, like Jazz Funk Greats would have been, but yeah, and yeah, very, very, very creepy stuff, hamburger lady. Um, yeah, I, not much I actually to have, say. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was going to mention that, um, like, uh, the lyrics do get a lot of attention for being creepy, uh, especially for me, but, um, I, like, do you guys know what Buddha machines are? Yes, I do. Maybe? Uh, they're, they're basically these little boxes that have, um, s- uh, sound loops that are supposed to be, like, s- uh, soothing kind of ambient kind of loops, and you can, you can change the volume and the pitch on them. Uh-huh. And anyway, though, um, Chris of um, Throbbing Gristle worked together with the Buddha Machine people and did a, a basically a Throbbing Gristle uh, Buddha Machine, which oddly enough does not um, really calm and soothe. <laughs> Shock <laughs> uh, and disbelief. I know, and it's called the Gristleizer. And um, there's a loop of Hamburger Lady on there, which is you know just the just the uh, the music. And actually, let me. Pinkie Pie just fell down. Uh, let's see if I can open it up here. And might be out of batteries. I hope not, but. Switch set. Let's see, how do I. Well. Is that coming through? Yes. yes. But um I can't remember how to uh change the track on here. <laughs> As you can tell it's it's something I love but I it's not something that I normally play it with a lot. <laughs> But, um, anyway, um, one of the things I do like is I have like a bunch of little tiny little like inch, inch and a half tall, uh, my little ponies and I have them all like, I have the main six all like around the gristleizer, basically like pay- paying tribute to it. 
just because I, I really like the idea of, you know, my little ponies like in some sort of weird throbbing gristle death cult. <laughs> but um but anyway though, so it's but it's still really creepy just hearing the the sound, you know. And I mean that like uh like uh I don't think that was hamburger lady, but uh it was still like cuz sometimes they it sometimes they, it's hard to recognize too when you're fucking with the pitch band. But but yeah, I don't think that was hamburger lady, but at least that gives you kind of the uh um the feel of it, you know, the feel of the gristleizer. But but yeah, so I just I don't even know where I was going with this. I think I just wanted to bust out the gristleizer. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to get a Buddha machine just just to have one because they are kind of cool. It doesn't have to be the, the gristleizer one though. My iPad that has one. Well, I like, I like the app, I yeah, I like the actual physical artifactness of uh, the Buddha machine though. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, because like the gristleizer one is silver. It's kind of pretty. Yeah, I just found the website for it and it's sold out. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I got mine at, um, oh, it, I got it in New York when I was in New York a couple years ago. Um, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember you, you know, getting that. I don't remember you getting it, but I remember you being in New York a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, it was, I want to say it was Other Music. Is that, like, is that the name of the record store, maybe? I don't know. Because record stores disappear and appear so quickly in New York, it's... I'm, I'm still in mourning for Wowsville, which used to be on 2nd Avenue, mm. and was like my favorite record store, used record store ever. Yeah, this one, I think it was other music, and it was uh, on in Manhattan and uh, right off of Lafayette, if I recall. Oh. Again, it's been two two years or so in a city that I, you know, I don't know that well. So I remember it was like right around the corner from a uh, Shakespeare and company, but okay. Apparently it does still exist. Yeah. It's a uh, 15 East fourth street. Oh, good. Good. So yeah, go, go there. If you're in New York, which I know rich is and cause they have a lot of really cool stuff too. Like I remember getting like a Verace record there and uh, maybe a fetus record too. I don't remember. And then the gristleizer. Cool. So so what, what we know where I stand on it. It's uh, on this record. It's it's interesting, strangely compelling, it's creepy as hell. I'm going to have to check out more of their stuff. And it yeah, sounds I kind of agree with Rich. Oh, oh wow! I thought you were going to be like, okay, fuck you so hard, I'm done. Flip desk. Oh, it wasn't, <laughs> not at all. It was. Um, it wasn't. It didn't strike me as being very musical. In a lot of ways. I mean, I suppose this is the industrial side of it, but I mean, like, you listen to IBM, and that's kind of just noisy. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, you know, most of the tracks, even Hamburger Lady, I mean, it has its musical qualities to it, but it it's more ambient, I guess, and it's more concerned with instilling a feel as opposed to offering, you know, a melody and a typical song structure. Uh, I think that AB7A is the only song that I can recall being as having somewhat <laughs> of a musical quality to it. Um, but, but I liked it. This isn't something I'm going to listen to every day, obviously, but, uh, it did have a, uh, um, sort of visceral effect on me, which I enjoyed. And I didn't even, I didn't, uh, I don't think I was listening to Hamburger Lady with headphones the first time. So I don't think I picked up on any of the lyrics. Um, so I just kind of enjoyed the the creepiness of the of the sounds. I want to say the, of the music, but of the sounds. Um, but knowing what the lyrics actually are, it has uh, caused a new level of creepiness, and that's definitely very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to say that as far as I know, it is uh, the original story is completely fictional. Mm. Well, that, that 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 makes you feel a little better then. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, just that idea of basically, I mean, living like that is pretty horrifying too. Not just you know hearing a song about it, you know. Yeah, but yeah, overall, I didn't. Um, I was not offended by it. I was like Rich said. I mean, creepy but strangely compelling. Really interesting. Yeah, like I mean, if you do want to hear more, I'd probably recommend checking out um, Twenty Jazz Funk Greats, uh, just because that is probably their most accessible. Which isn't to say it's accessible necessarily <laughs> but i mean it's it, it's certainly more so than uh doa so there we go um i don't know if there's anything else to add on top of that do you guys want to talk about bruce springsteen <laughs> he's pretty scary <laughs> i could also talk about new Vogue. 
I mean, it's not every night a beautiful French woman shoves a microphone in your face so you can sing a lyric, a lyric from a Joy Division song. Mm-hmm. Yes, why don't you report on uh, on your show, Rich, and then we'll uh, I can report on my show that I saw this week, and then we can wrap it up. Okay, well, actually, I actually ended up seeing three shows in the last uh, four days, so it's been a busy week. I am, in a way, I'm almost perversely happy for this hurricane, so it gives me an incentive to not go out. Um, so, yeah, Wednesday night, uh, Some Awful Bridge was very good. Uh, they did a killer cover of Memories Can't Wait by Talking Heads, which is, you know, that's not a song you hear a lot of people covering. It's a good one, though. Oh, yeah. Um, Nouvelle Vague, um, very different show, much more visual. Uh, I've got some pictures on my Instagram that you might have seen. Um, and yeah, you know, Bossa Nova and New Wave covers. They actually started, do, they're doing some originals now. They got a new album coming out next year with original songs on it. Hmm. Yeah, that was my reaction. And, uh, yeah. yeah how how were the originals? Okay. I mean, it's not what I came to hear. It's not what I came to hear, so I was like, oh, yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like going to see uh, um, a, band, a, a classic rock band that just put out their first album in 20 years. And, like, yeah, it, you know that, ever see that episode of The Simpsons with, uh, what's it, um, who the hell did Taking Care of Business? Oh, uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we want to play something over the album? No, nobody wants to hear that. Play Taking Care of Business. <laughs> so, but they were, some of them were good. And, um, but yeah, they, one of the encores was Level Terrace Apart, and, you know, sent this, one of the singers climbs off the stage, leans over the barrier, shoves a microphone up and into the audience, and this one girl just like freaks out, kind of to hide from it. And <laughs> I'm singing along because you know it's it's level tears apart, Joy Division can't go wrong. And suddenly she moves over and shoves a microphone in my face and just staring right at right at her. You know, absolutely gorgeous uh, French musician, French girl, and this guy love love will tears apart again. Trying very hard not to do a bad Ian Curtis impression. <laughs> I, I know that I, I told you um, on Facebook what I like to do with that song, but I'll, I'll say it again just here just to, because I always, I always like to, to uh, sing it as uh, dogs will tear us apart. Because, you know, it, it's more likely than, you know, love. Because, you know, dogs actually have, you know, corporeal bodies and, and very sharp teeth. Yes. And finally, last night, I got a chance to uh, see friend of the show, John Pfeffer, play uh, a solo show. And he's got some new songs that are really amazing, and you know the old stuff's amazing. And well, John Pfeffer is awesome, and yeah, we got to get him on the show with you on Matt. So I, 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 he has a standing invitation if he's ever wants to be on the show again. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, wind's picking up out there. Okay. Um, yeah, I just noticed the the leaves are starting to blow around. So we, we better wrap this up before uh, so we can get into the emergency shelter. Uh, but yeah, talk, <laughs> tell, tell us about the boss. So I um. I'm not a fan of the Bruce Springsteen, but uh, I had an opportunity to go when he came to Hartford uh, on Thursday. My uh, my dad and his his uh, wife had tickets, but she came down with pneumonia earlier this week. So my ooh, dad was like, do you want ooh. to go? And I said, uh, sure. And I was kind of an ardent non-fan uh, of Bruce Springsteen. Like it was just he was one of those unavoidable kind of rock and roll acts that didn't really have anything to do with me and I didn't really see the big deal. I mean, I, I get it. He's from New Jersey. That's awesome and everything. But, um, you know, didn't really have anything to do with me. But from what I had read and heard, uh, his live shows were, you know, supposed to be amazing. So I said, sure, I'll go. So um, we went and it was pretty incredible. And, you know, I was expecting it to be a good show. Um but I was, and I have not been, you know, I'm not a, a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan now, but I get the, the appeal. And, um, I read an article, uh, and actually posted about it on my blog back when I used to do that sort of thing, um, about how, uh, I think it was written by a guy named Josh Wolk and, uh, for vulture.com. It'll be in the show notes, but it's, uh, called Bruce Springsteen Life Giver to the Middle Aged. And it's about how he went to this concert, you know, being a an ardent non-fan uh, like I was and, you know, being prepared to sort of make fun of all the middle aged uh, baby boomers and stuff rocking out. But by the time, you know, an hour and a half, two hours into the show, I mean, you are very aware that you are witnessing something that is very special. Um, and it's kind of there is this sort of religious experience 
experience to a Bruce Springsteen concert in the sense that it was like the congregation of the boss um, in the Excel Center there. And you got the sense that all of these, because the crowd was, you know, very middle-aged baby boomer, whatever. And Bruce Springsteen himself is, what, 63 now, I think. And uh, you just got this sense that for the three and a half hours that he played, um, all of these people were able to forget about all their stresses and worries and angst uh, that comes with, you know, being alive and were able to kind of forget about all that for a night and be united in their in their sort of experience of this music. And Bruce himself was just incredible as a showman. Um, you know, you would have thought, and I think this is kind of common knowledge, but you would have thought that this was the last show that he was ever going to do. And, uh, you know, he crowd surfed and he, he collected signs and kind of went through all of the request posters and was like, you know, and did some of the songs that, you know, people had uh, made signs for. And there was a woman with a sign that said, can I dance with you? I've been waiting 35 years. And he brought her up on stage and she was crying and everything and danced with her. He gave a little boy a microphone to sing uh, the chorus to one of the songs. And uh, it was just very uh, amazing. And I thought that I would be, you know, bored after like you know, the third song or whatever, because I still I only really know the hits. Um, but it, you know, it was three and a half hours without a they didn't even go off stage uh, in between the main set and the encore. And uh, I was kind of riveted the whole time. So it was quite, quite an experience. And I recommend that even if you are not a Bruce Springsteen fan, if you have the opportunity to see him live, I recommend it just for the experience. And I don't say that about too many things because, you know, I don't believe in forcing yourself to like something just because everybody else does. But truly um, something to behold. So Very interesting. Yeah, I suppose that yeah. it's. It reminds me of when I saw the Rolling Stones uh, a few years back, which they're not a band I'd pay money to see, but my dad won tickets, and I'm like, okay, what the hell. Uh, I was less impressed with them, but um, but it's just that, you know, now I can at least check that off the list. You know, yeah, I saw the Rolling Stones in concert. Yeah, I can yeah. I can kind of see that. It's, you know, it's someone who's so big and known, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if, if someone gave me tickets, I, I'd go, but, I don't know, Bruce Springsteen... I can respect, I respect, I have a lot of respect for him as a performer. It's just his music does nothing for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I wasn't compelled to go and download his entire discography after the show, but, you know, I have looked up, uh, it's the Wrecking Ball Tour. This is his new record. Yeah, I'll tell you this. If he actually did release that uh, concept album about miners on the planet Mars in the distant future, I would totally go and buy that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's an onion thing. Um, if you'll promise to edit out my typing that, I'll, I'll drop the link to that in the chat and the uh, robot. Like, I, I actually uh, looked up my... I, I posted some photos on Tumblr of uh, the ponies paying paying tribute to the gristleism. So I, I'm throwing that in the show notes, too. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, ponies do love the throbbing gristle death cult. Yay. Uh, that's what season three is going to be all about. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> creepy... So, um, I guess that's a show, guys. Cool. So. Uh, 15, boom. Yeah. Uh, I'll go, since we don't really have an order, I'll go first. What the hell? Uh, I'm Rich. You can find me at sandspoint.com, sandspoint on Twitter, sandspoint on Last.fm, sandspoint on Instagram, sandspoint, wherever fine, uh, social media products are sold. Andrew. <laughs> and, uh, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> AndrewMarvin.net, my website, and, uh, I'm at AndrewMarvin on the internet. And I am uh, kittysneezes.com, K-I-T-T-Y-S-N-E-E-Z-E-S.com. And also Kitty Sneezes on Tumblr and Twitter and Toop-a-Doop and Dop-a-Do and whatever else they have today. Goddamn kids. Anyway, uh, yeah. And, of course, we are CrushOnRadio.com, uh, CrushOnRadio on the Twitter, CrushOnRadio on iTunes. Review us, leave us a review, give us five stars, and we will love you forever. We will lick you. Mm. Yes. Delicious. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week with a show that is going to be remarkably less scary, I hope. We should do a Zappa show in the near future. Yeah, actually. Yeah, like we all pick uh, one Zappa album yeah. and talk about it. And... Education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We'd have to make sure, you know, work together on, on the picks, too, just to make sure that we didn't all, like, pick apostrophe or something. Yeah, I would have to request that one because that's the one that I'm most familiar with and most qualified to talk about. 
Oh, don't worry. I wasn't going to pick apostrophe at all. Uh, I think I'd actually pick the yellow shark, and uh, well, we'll see what happens when we get around to doing that one. Do you do you want to do that next week, or um, let's have a regular show next week, and then we can do the all zappa, and, and the week after that. So it's like, okay, that'll work. Yeah, yeah. Until then, as regular as we get, you know, like I don't know, maybe maybe we should all eat more fiber. Oh, you've not seen regular show? No. Oh, uh, okay. Andrew, have yeah. you seen it? Nope. Ah. Uh, no, no, no archer style quotathons when the shows go go south. Uh, we gotta wrap. We gotta wrap it up anyway. We got things to do. You know who else likes it when shows go south? My mom. <laughs> that I think we'll do it at that. Have a good good night, everyone. And bye. <laughs>